Welcome to Market Matters, our markets podcast on Making Sense, the hub for J.P. Morgan corporate and investment bank podcasts. In this episode of Market Matters, we'll hear from the market data and positioning intelligence teams within our data assets and alpha group. They'll be talking about key macro, micro, and political themes in the context of our high-frequency trading data and proprietary signals from J.P. Morgan's markets business. Hi, I'm Edwina Lowe, Product Specialist within the Data Assets and Alpha Group here at J.P. Morgan. Today, I'm joined by Eloise Goulder, who runs the wider Data Assets and Alpha Group. Last time I spoke with her, which was a little over two months ago, we ran through our equity signals data sets and the core mandate of our group. Today, though, I want to dig into our new sentiment data set, known as the Bull Bear Buzz Sentiment Toolkit, as I know the team have been fielding a number of questions from clients around how low sentiment, as well as positioning, are at this stage, and whether this sets the stage for a market rally. So, Eloise, thank you so much for being here with me again to discuss this theme. Hi, Edwina. It's a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. So, Eloise, could you start by setting the scene? Why did you and the team create our Bull Bear Buzz Sentiment Toolkit? And what exactly is it? Yes, absolutely. So this is a relatively new data set from our team. And we created it this year in response to the key question we've been getting all year as a team in the context of the market sell-off. And that's been how low is positioning and how low is sentiment? And linked to that, have we yet seen capitulation? And is the market yet ripe for a rally because positioning and sentiment are so low? So how did we create the data set? Well, given all the questions have been around looking for a market bottom, we wanted to create our sentiment around market sentiment rather than economic sentiment or consumer sentiment, at least as a starting point. And as such, we created a bag of words, i.e. a group of words we would be searching for around market sentiment. So positive words include bullish, expansion, booming, for example, while negative words include bearish, crash, slowdown, crisis, to name but a few words in the corpus. We then applied this bag of words to various sources, and those sources include social media. And as many of our listeners may know, we already have a single stock sentiment data set from social media, as we think this is key to understanding the retail investor. But we broaden this out to capture aggregate market level sentiment from social media sources. And then we applied the same bag of words to website search data. So what are people searching for online? And what are people searching for when they read the news online? And we carried out some normalization to our data so that we can see a series back to the early 2000s. And there we have it. It's our market sentiment data set, which we call our bull bear buzz sentiment data set. Now, what do we do with this data? Well, we've created automated emails summarising the conclusions of the data by source and by region, which we update each week. So internally, and also importantly for our clients, this can be a really valuable gauge on how sentiment is evolving over time. But equally, for our clients wanting to systematically consume the data, we also make it available via API from our data platforms. That's really interesting. Thank you, Eloise. So what are the conclusions then? What does the data set show? 
So if we look at US sentiment back to the early 2000s, then one really interesting point is that aggregate market sentiment has been net positive for a large chunk of the time, specifically for about three quarters of the time. So the question then becomes, when has sentiment ever dipped net negative? And we see three periods historically over those 20 years or so when sentiment has been negative. The first, probably unsurprisingly, was during the global financial crisis, so through 2007 to 2009. The second, again, probably not a surprise, was during the depths of the market drawdown during COVID, so from March to April 2020. And then the third has been this year, And sentiment went negative on our toolkit in May this year, just before that market trough in June. What I think has surprised me is that sentiment on our data set has not yet at least re-hit the lows that we saw in May to June this year. And that's in spite of the fact markets in the US and Europe have tested new lows over the last couple of weeks. But by contrast, our sentiment data sets trended higher through July and August as the markets were rallying and only started to deteriorate again in the last couple of weeks. So at this stage, market sentiment has deteriorated over the last two weeks, but it's still marginally net positive, according to our data. And also, it's just worth noting, we have experimented with several other bags of words more recently, specifically because we've been so surprised by sentiment remaining quite elevated. But even with different bags of words, the results haven't really changed meaningfully. I'd like to come back to that word surprise. Do you think behavioural biases come into play when it comes to sentiment around markets? That's such a good point. Definitely. I know we've discussed behavioural biases several times on this podcast, but I think what you're pointing to is a brilliant example of where our data has allowed us to attempt to combat those biases. And in this case, before we created the market sentiment data set, we thought that market-related sentiment was much lower perhaps lower than COVID levels, given the conversations that we were having around markets. And on top of that, we had conviction. So I guess one bias this points to is overconfidence in our assessment that in spite of our relatively small individual sample sets, we had conviction there. And it also demonstrates how hard it can be to be objective, particularly perhaps during times of acute market volatility and hence why these data sets can be so powerful. So what do you make of all of this? Does this make you bullish or bearish on markets as a result? Well, the first thing I'd say is that we have back-tested this sentiment data set to find market signals, and we have found some pretty decent signals. Perhaps, Edwina, we can come back to that point later. But the bottom line is the environment where market sentiment is just about in positive territory but falling on a two-week view, that environment doesn't have a particularly strong historical track record for markets in either direction. So the standalone signal from this data set right now is, let's call it, neutral. But secondly, perhaps the more nuanced answer would be to combine this sentiment data set with our flows and positioning data sets. I said earlier that 
the most commonly asked question we've had from clients this year has been how low is positioning and how low is sentiment and have we yet seen capitulation? And I think this data set supports the argument that sentiment has fallen, but it isn't necessarily in capitulatory territory. And our positioning metrics look lower than our sentiment data sets, but they also don't necessarily point to full capitulation. Could you elaborate a bit further on that, Eloise? What exactly are our positioning data sets saying right now? Sure. So regular listeners to this podcast might be familiar with our tactical positioning monitor. This captures a whole range of investor types from hedge funds in our prime book to retail flows to ETF flows to mutual fund data. And we track this monitor every day and we find it really helpful to look at both the levels and the change in this positioning monitor. In terms of levels, positioning absolutely is low versus the six to seven year history. We find that positioning is just below the one standard deviation mark versus history. And historical market troughs have typically been in the minus 1.1 to minus 1.5 standard deviation range. So positioning levels definitely do look on the light side and quite close to prior historical troughs that we saw in December 2018 and then in April 2020 during COVID and then also in June this year. But then if we look at the change in positioning, it's a less clear-cut story. We've seen substantial selling from the retail investor in particular over the last couple of weeks, but we haven't seen a huge magnitude of selling from the other investor types I mentioned. So the change in positioning is not that standout. And for us to have a really high conviction signal on markets, ideally, we'd also see that change in positioning also fall to minus 1.5 standard deviations or so on a four-week view. So to take this back to our conversation about sentiment, I'd say our positioning data sets look lighter than our sentiment data sets right now, but neither necessarily shows clear signs of capitulation. But then the question is, do we even need capitulation for markets to bottom? And we don't necessarily. If the positioning backdrop is light and sentiment is somewhat depressed, and then if macro or fundamental news improve, then conditions could absolutely be ripe for a market rally. But in my mind, I'd rather be a little bit late to that party or late to the rally and wait for that macro or fundamental news to improve before buying on that basis. That's a really interesting take. Can I just go back to a point you made earlier? You said you've backtested sentiment to find market signals and you found some decent signals. So what does it take for sentiment to provide a bullish signal for markets? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for coming back to it. So we find the predictive power for sentiment is a bit like the predictive power around positioning, where there's a bit of a barbell with both a momentum and a mean reversion signal, which are both supportive for markets. So the momentum signal shows that when market sentiment is positive and rising, it's reasonably supportive for markets. And we found historic sharp ratios in the one times range for this setup. And this has been the case for quite a large proportion of the time, in fact, for 38% of the time overall, since the early 2000s, that sentiment has been positive and it's been rising and it's provided that quite supportive backdrop for markets. But then the mean reversion signal shows that when sentiment, on the other hand, is deeply negative, but improving, 
And bear in mind, this happens very rarely. In fact, it's just happened 6% of the time on our data since the early 2000s. Then this is an even more powerful signal to buy markets. It often represents that deep market bottom where upside returns can be significant thereafter. So we've seen sharp ratios just over one times in those environments historically, and average profit per trade is much higher in those environments. So we do find that this sentiment toolkit can be really helpful in contextualizing markets. But as I said earlier, right now, sentiment is small positive and it's been declining. So it's not hitting the extremes we'd need to produce a really bullish signal on markets. Thank you. That's really clear. Now, we've spent quite a lot of time on US markets, but I know your sentiment data set is actually global, or at least you have it for a number of regions. So would you flag any differences you're seeing in regional sentiment right now? Yes. Well, I would say that sentiment in Europe has fallen more than sentiment in the US this year. And the standout country in terms of weak sentiment right now is the UK. So we've seen UK sentiment deteriorate since March this year, and it hit fresh lows over the last two weeks. And I think what's notable is, unlike most other regions, UK market sentiment is now below the lows we saw during COVID. And it's actually back down to the levels we last saw during the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009 on our data. And this may not come as a surprise given the recent news flow that we've witnessed here in the UK, i.e. it's not just the deterioration in the growth and the inflation mix for the UK economy, but it's also all the news flow around the new government's unfunded spending plan. But I think our sentiment data set does help contextualise and in fact tallies with the weakness we've seen in sterling and domestic UK stocks amidst this, at least until the last couple of days. Interesting. It's worth highlighting that you recorded a podcast on the UK with Krupa Patel from our market intelligence team earlier this week, if listeners want to dive into this topic in more detail. Yeah, it's a great point. Absolutely. We went into a lot of depth on this particular subject just earlier this week. So coming back to US markets, you've already explained that positioning and sentiment is light, but not necessarily signalling capitulation at this stage. Do you want to say anything else about our wider signals toolkits for our listeners? Yeah, I guess it's worth covering our signal from the noise framework, which is really our flagship market timing indicator from the team. And it's based on over 35 input variables, including fundamental and positioning and flows data points. So our signal from the noise framework has been neutral for much of this year. It turned neutral from bullish previously in early January this year, following the weaker December US ISM print. And it's been neutral for much of this year, except brief periods where it's been more bullish in mid-March, mid-May and also August when it was flashing attractive. Anyway, the framework is neutral right now, and it's pretty consistent with everything I think I've been saying so far today. But what's more interesting is then what would it take for our signal from the noise framework to be more supportive of markets? And the bottom line is we'd either need to see an improvement in the fundamentals, and that could come from some combination of better ISM manufacturing data, uh, an improvement in EPS revisions, or a weaker dollar, or it could come from an improvement in the positioning backdrop. 
And that improvement might be a result of further signs of capitulation, perhaps if markets fall from here and we see further selling. Or on the other hand, it could improve simply because we see better momentum in positioning on a one-month view. So if the market rallies from here, uh, as it has over the last couple of days, and if that's followed by a move to net buying across multiple investor types, that would also trigger the momentum signal in our framework over about four weeks. But as I said earlier, I'd rather not be early to that party and I'd rather wait until our framework shifts that way. And of course, our framework isn't perfect. It doesn't time bottoms to the very day. But I think it does provide a useful and a historically alpha generating way to navigate these moves. Thank you. That's really interesting. So finally, linked to the topic of where next for markets, what catalysts are you waiting for to help contextualise the next move? Yeah. So I think the main positive narrative we've been hearing from investors over the last couple of days has been around peak hawkishness and the idea that a softening in data from here may link to a softening in inflation to come and then the potential for the Fed to slow the pace of its hiking cycle. So in this vein, for the US, I think Friday's payrolls number And then probably even more important, the next CPI print on the 13th of October will be key because if core inflation is lower, it could be taken as a real positive. But outside of these macro data points, I'd flag Q3 earnings season, which is due to start in a couple of weeks in the US. We have the backdrop of modest earnings downgrades for the S&P 500 over the last couple of months. So what will happen to earnings revisions post-results season? And is the macro weakness we've witnessed in data points like the ISM manufacturing reflected in a slowing pace of corporate earnings or not? Thank you very much, Eloise. So if I can attempt to summarise your views... We've developed a market sentiment data set, which we call Bull Bear Buzz, which is available to our clients as well as risk takers internally. In terms of what the data set is saying today, sentiment has fallen over the last two weeks but is not showing signs of full capitulation. And then in terms of our wider team signals, which are currently in neutral territory, in order for the signals to be supportive of a meaningful rally, we would need to see either an improvement in the fundamentals, for example, better ISM manufacturing, improvement in EPS revisions, or a weaker dollar, or an improvement in the positioning backdrop, which in itself has multiple components. Does that sound about right? Yes, exactly. Well, thank you once again, Eloise, for sharing your views on sentiment and your wider data toolkits today. I know the topic of how low is sentiment positioning is a topic you're very widely discussing with clients right now. Thanks so much, Edwina. It's great to be here again today. Thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to this bi-weekly podcast from our group. If you'd like to explore our wider team content further or indeed get in touch, please take a look at our website, jpmorgan.com forward slash market dash data dash intelligence. There you can always send us a message via the contact us form. And with that, we will close. Thank you. If you're enjoying this conversation, you can subscribe as well as our other podcasts to stay on top of the latest industry news and trends. Follow JP Morgan's Making Sense on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. The views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of JP Morgan Chase & Co. and its affiliates. Together, JP Morgan. 
They are not the product of J.P. Morgan's research department and do not constitute a recommendation, advice, or an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or financial instrument. This podcast is intended for institutional and professional investors only and is not intended for retail investor use. It is provided for information purposes only. Reference products and services in this podcast may not be suitable for you and may not be available in all jurisdictions. J.P. Morgan may make markets and trade as principal in securities and other asset classes and financial products that may have been discussed. For additional disclaimers and regulatory disclosures, please visit www.jpmorgan.com forward slash disclosures forward slash sales and trading disclaimer.